Welcome to the show, Paul and Adam in studio. Fucking Art of Living. Adam, I just noticed on the screen that uh, the theme song here is called Party All Night With Us. That's I, right. I had, I had no idea. Well, a lot of people think that Paul George wrote and recorded this song, but it's not. Party uh, All Night With it's Us. It's by a song named, Aaron, uh, it's a song by Aaron Kelly. I don't know who that is. And Skinny Williams. Skinny Williams. Called Party All Night With Us. Have a listen. The, um, I, I don't know if I've ever partied all night. Definitely not. Well, I mean. And a lot of times when you say party, you think of bad things. But I mean, like, you can have good parties. Well, it depends so on what you call that, night, like, right? I, I literally fade out at a certain <laughs> point. Oh, so you're one of those people. Oh, totally. This look comes over your face and like, I'm out. I'm done. And <laughs> like, anytime I go like to a big social setting or party, a get together, I'm good for a little while. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that I, there, there's two things that I do before I go. Okay. You want to know? Yeah. And I, I'm, this is awkward about me. I, I set a time that I'm going to leave before I go. Like I just, no kidding. Yeah. I'm like, I could probably do this for two hours. So it starts <laughs> at nine. I'll be gone by 11 and I'm out. And then the next thing I do is I look for like the exit door. <laughs> how I'm going to leave with nobody seeing me leave. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not the, like, I didn't know, maybe because I, once I fade out, like, I cannot physically work the room and tell everyone bye. Yeah. You know, I've told everyone hi. Yeah, that's good enough, right? Right. So, yeah. like, to do it all over again and tell everyone bye is just really hard. So, it's like, I just slip out the back door. Does every introvert do that? I don't know. Is that just a Paul it's thing? It's probably a quality of an introvert. Mm-hmm. But str- that's awesome. I'm strategic about it. <laughs> <laughs> Very strategic about it. Well, I mean, for New Year's Eve, I guess I party all night. I go till midnight, welcome the new year. But it's still dark, but I mean, it's the next day. So I've done that. Yeah. All right. So, okay, we got to have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real? Though? All right. So everybody's seen this. All right, if you haven't, you've been under a rock. But, <laughs> you know, just recently the president gave his, you know, speech, right? State of the Union. Mm-hmm. And then there's all this drama. You know, there's always drama, no always matter who's drama. president, right? The last president, there was drama around State of the Union, whatever. There's drama. So I'm watching it because I just want to know what's going on. And then there's all this drama because the Speaker of the House rips the speech, right? And a lot of people didn't know what she was ripping, but the Speaker of the House gets a copy of the speech. Okay. Anyway, all that being said, all the drama was around at the end of it, you know, she ripped it. Mm-hmm. And there's all this drama. And I started thinking like, what, what would I just rip if like it was in front of me? <laughs> right. Have you ever, have you ever just ripped something? He's like, I don't need this. I don't want it. I want to look at it. I don't think I've ever done that actually. I did that. Can I confess? Yeah. Uh, I did that to a test one time. Like in the middle of taking it? Yeah. I was like, I, I'm. No kidding. Yeah. I'm, wow. I ripped it. Good job. I'm like, I'm not. I don't. You pulled a Pelosi. No. Have you ever gotten to taking a test and you looked at it and you literally looked at it and said, I don't know any of this. <laughs> that is the worst feeling in the world. That's happened to me once. Yeah. And that's when I ripped it up. Nice. And I just was like, I'm going to start over. So maybe Nancy Pelosi heard about this story <laughs> with you and it inspired her. You know, the next day I walked into work and Chad, our wonderful youth minister, I said, hey, look, I'll be ordained next month. I'm going to give you a copy of my homily. Can you do me a favor? When I'm giving it, can you read it nervously in the pew? And then when I'm done, just, just rip stand it. and rip it up. Yeah, that would be that would be so funny. <laughs> he agreed to do it. So. And there are some things that, like, you know, I would like to rip up, but I can't. Um, <laughs> so I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah, I can sympathize with, with. I agree or disagree on the, on the drama, but uh, you know, when you kind of zoom out, you can kind of yeah. make light fun of everything. But you know what I was thinking during the speech? There has been a lot of Catholics sitting behind the president at State of the Unions for like the past twenty years. If you think about it, Nancy Pelosi. Well, right, Joe Biden, hmm. Paul Ryan, hmm. John Boehner. Like there's been a lot of Catholic influence in uh, Congress, and um, 
that used to not be the case. I mean, people didn't really like Catholics in politics because they didn't trust, like, you know, they didn't want the Pope running the country, so Catholics are just going to do what the Pope tells them, that kind of thing. Well, that's um, not the case. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the case. And I, look, I can't even get into who's Catholic and not because, like, in the, in the political game, like, I don't really know who to trust all the time. That, that's right. what's so hard. Sometimes you know? Catholics do the most damage, and that has been the case <laughs> for the past... I think Ten for years. us, and this is interesting that you bring it up because this is really what we're going to talk about today, is I think the most damage that we can do for the gospel <clears throat> is claim to uh, live it and don't. Yes. Right? Claim to be Christian or Catholic and then don't live it. Right? And I'm not talking about just struggling. I'm not talking about like we're imperfect and we sin, we fall. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about claim to be something and not be that or not strive to be that. And that is not how the gospel sort of unfolds. This is not, you know, Jesus doesn't come to say, sort of do this, sort of try this, um, sort of change, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the invitation. Uh, the real invitation is like, um, y you know, are you all in, mm -hmm. right? Are you either, you're either, you know, warm or cold, but lukewarm is like, that. that's not even like a, a thing to me, mm -hmm. you know. And... You know, so I get, yeah, it's just frustrating because I do think in a lot of ways that Christianity isn't really growing or advancing because people who claim to be Christians aren't passionate about being it. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. Well, I mean, if you look at the preaching of Christ, there are very few insults he gave to people, right? Mostly aimed at the Pharisees and the scribes. But hypocrites was one of them that he repeated, right? Probably the insult that got repeated the most, you hypocrites. And so obviously being a hypocrite is close to the heart of Christ as far as a problem, a problem in the church, a problem in leadership, a problem um, for the gospel, right? That's why he called it out. And so I think it is definitely worth our time to ask ourselves, are we hypocrites first, right? But then also how has our hypocrisy as a church affected the world around us? How has it limited the gospel? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is we have challenges to the gospel today. As a church, we need to be in a mode of renewal first with us. Like, how am I impeding the gospel from spreading in my town, my state, my country? Um, but then also as a group, like, how are we as a parish, as a family, making it harder for the gospel to be proclaimed by the way we live our lives? Right, Absolutely. It's a big question. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go into a stadium and and people are passionate about their team. You're you're kind of you can get won over. Say you say you you're not even passionate about that team, but you're at the game. You're like, man, these fans are really the traditions, man. The the way they do this, how excited they are, and all of a sudden you find yourself cheering for the team that you could care whether they win or lose by. You know, mm -hmm. and. And then all of you're lost in that moment. I mean, in a sense, like evangelization and the gospel is like winning people over to the reality of of how good this is that that you're on the best team. Like this is what it's all about, you know. And last week, you know, we you and I were talking about, um, you know, the, the sort of this the phases of 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 movement, right? Do you remember that courage? Yeah. Courage. And uh, going through this process of courage. And uh, if you didn't get to listen to the show, you can go back on last week's show, pull it up on the podcast. I thought we had a great conversation, right? And, in, you know, in one of my, you know, mentoring coaching sessions, I, I was going over this with someone. And, and here's what I find as I'm kind of reflecting on it and thinking about it is, you know, uh, the first step was show up. And I think a lot of people do that. They, they show up and they're there. But it's the next two steps where people get stuck. And it's the, the next one, which was own up, right? And then grow up, right? And we're not going to go into those because you can go back and listen. But it, it, it really is like this idea of like beginning to own up to my own faults, my own failings, where I need to grow. You know, the, you know, the happiest people have a PhD in themselves, a self PhD, you know, like who, who are committed to like this idea of self growth of of the pursuit of of goodness and holiness and 
and, and striving, e even in our failure, right? Like this idea of owning up and growing up. But I find that this is where people get stuck. They just want to sort of continue to live the way they live because it be becomes very comfortable. Yeah. Right. And it's a challenge for Christians to really know themselves because I think, I mean, just like in any relationship, with another person, there's this temptation to love the idea of the person over the person, right? So there's this difference between who I think you are or who I would like you to be and then who you really are. And a lot of relational tension is that tension between me loving you for who you are or who I want you to be or think you are. If you turn it inwards, it's very easy for a Christian to have this relationship with themselves, to think they are somebody that they're not, or to think they are who they hope they were. Right. So in other words, I wish I was like this. I wish I was more honest. I wish I was more faithful to my wife. I wish I was a better parent. I wish I was... So I'm going to assume that I am that person, and that's who I think I am, <clears throat> which allows me to not actually focus in on the ways I need to grow or know who I really am. Because it's, it's good to know who you really are, faults and all, so that you could actually love who you really are and make the right choices for yourself to grow and become more and more who God created you to be. Right, because past the growth, the owning up and growing up is the living up. We begin to mm -hmm. live up to who God created us to be, not who who we're who we've decided, like who God created us to be. And that's where we begin to find real traction in our true joy and peace and happiness in our life. And and to bring this all around about ripping things up, you know, and and, and we're kind of making light of that. The reality is like when we really dive into the Gospels, right, and the Scripture, and the, the teachings of Jesus and the church, there's times where we just, we want to rip it up. We're like, yeah, not me, not that part, you know, like, right. ooh, that's really difficult, you know, uh, I don't know if I can do that. I was literally having a conversation with someone yesterday, and I said, do you want to get over this behavior, this pattern? Absolutely, they said. This is what you need to do to do it. It's going to be really hard, but if you do this, I'm pretty sure that it's going to work. And they're like, as good as that sounds, no, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. It's too hard. I'd rather just keep doing what I'm doing. And I was like, really? Like, so, so the hard work is not worth the end result because it's too hard, so you'd rather just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate their honesty. But the reality is that, like, it was like, it was like, it was like he just took the paper and just ripped it up. It's like, I, yeah, it's too hard. The test is too hard. I don't know any of the answers. I'm like, no, I'll walk you through the answers with you. I'm just telling you, it's going to be hard, but the end result's good. But I don't know how long it's going to be hard. Nah, if you could tell me it's only going to be hard for a day, I might do it. But if it's going to be hard for like a month, no. I'm like, really? So we'd rather not do the hard work for freedom on the back end and just kind of keep doing what we're doing. And that to me is a lot of times what happens when we get stuck in life and, and stuck in the Gospels is like Jesus asked us to do hard stuff not because he's sort of like some ruler or, you know, some dictator. Like the hard stuff is about growing into the person that he created us to be. That's, yeah. And that's where we find the most freedom. Yeah, and all the saints point to the hardest stuff being the most daily things, which are the things we tend to not focus on, like our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our kids, the way we treat them, the way we talk to them, the poor people we see on the way to work, the the things that God has put in our path on a daily basis, that's where the Christian actually works through those things. We tend to focus on things that are easy and on a shelf. I mean, not easy in the sense of easily doing, but like it's not in my life so much, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'll focus on um, getting involved with this ministry or this activity or giving these talks or, you know, I'll focus on doing these things for the Lord. And we neglect the most important relationships of our lives where God is actually calling us to be that saint. And it's really easy to do that. Yeah. Especially if we're in leadership. I think that's why the Pharisees were so prone to that because we think we're great. We think our message is great. We think the things we're going to say and do and want the church to be is all so great that when people find out what we have to say, they're just going to love it. Right. Right. And um, we forget that our witness of our lives is the most important thing about us. Mm -hmm. The way we treat our spouse, the way we treat our kids, 
And so it's so easy to become a Christian hypocrite. It's so easy. But this is what kills the gospel, because our message is worthless, but the message of Christ saves. Absolutely. And if we fall in love with our own message, we fall in love with our own ideas, we fall in love with ourselves, we will be miserable, but also we, we stop the growth of the gospel. And so I think not every Pharisee was like that, right? Like, no. They had good, good people who responded to Jesus. We can change. We can, we can become the Christians that God wants us to be, and we can get rid of the hypocrisy, but we have to face it and own up to it first. Right. You know, to be a Pharisee, right, is to say, it's not fair, you see. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Or a Sadducee. <laughs> They're so sad. You see. you see. All right. We're going to end on that cheesy note. We'll be right back. It's Paul and Adam. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio talking art of living. Nice, crisp, cool morning. Paul, today's our 125th episode. Really? That's like a century and a quarter. Yes. Wow. If we did one show a year... Um, we wouldn't survive it. Like, we would die before 125. But thankfully, we do one a week. Right. So... And I kind of think, like, when we are done with this whole show thing, that if if <laughs> if technology was a piece of paper, they would just rip it. <laughs> rip, rip it and well, throw it away. we should send a transcript to, to Pelosi of just, every episode. It's, and it's fine. Like, I'm not offended. Just rip, <laughs> rip, rip it and throw it away. I did my best. We well, you know that's who, what St. Thomas cares? did with the Summa, basically, at the end of his life. Like... He was at Mass one day, had this really great experience. He said, everything I've written is straw compared to the reality. So he was ready to rip up everything he wrote because it is straw. I mean, it's true. It's not like what he wrote was a lie, but yep. like compared to who God really is. Right. So yeah, rip it up. Just rip it. Rip it. Yeah. Rip it good. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So I was reading the scripture where, you know, we're, we're talking about this topic and, and this idea of the reality of really getting stuck. Um you know, in, in, in the in the phase of owning up, growing up. So ultimately, we could live up to, to who God created us to be, to be living our true identity as his sons and daughters. Simple scripture, and I love it. I was kind of unpacking it for a talk coming up. It's Matthew 5, 15, and there's another version of it in Luke. It says this, Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. Right? That would burn the basket. Right. It's a bad plan. Uh, <clears throat> no, it is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house, right? Uh, so I, I don't know if you know this, but a bushel basket uh, or a bushel is a size basket. A bushel is like a measurement. It's like a unit. Mm. So if the basket's full, it's a full bushel, right? And so they use these baskets as sort of measuring devices. You know, they put what whatever in there, wheat, fish, whatever. It's like, oh, half bushel, full bushel. I don't know. Nice. But most people probably in those days had a bushel basket, mm -hmm. right? Uh, bring stuff so the analogy he's using is, you know, people would have gotten, right? Today, it's like, what what the heck's a bushel? I don't carry bushels. I don't have bushels. Although we still use the measurement of bushels. If you're like a farmer, if you have a bushel of apples, you have an apple orchard or an orange farm or whatever. Nice. You can still have bushels, right? But most people don't have bushels. <laughs> are, right? So when Jesus says, you know, why? Like, nor would would they, you know? You know, take a bushel basket and, and throw it over a candle, right? Because obviously they didn't have electricity, so candles how, how they would see. And I was beginning to think of that is like, you know, what are the two things that happen if you put a bushel over a candle, right? Well, things get dark. Right. So the first thing is, and you mentioned it, is that the basket would burn. Mm-hmm. Like it would catch on fire. Like the, the, it's a straw basket. Like you're not talking about like a metal can, you know, it's a straw basket. It's going to catch on fire. And I think, you know, like some people are okay with that. Like some people love the chaos. They, they love drama. And they, because they, this is what the guy would tell me is like, oh, the basket's on fire. I know that. But mm -hmm. guess what? I could still see. <laughs> 
it's creating light, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's chaos. And what happens when something's burning? Like, what happens? You run. Yeah, it's a problem. Right. It's you got to solve that problem. It's a big problem. Like, if you've ever been in a house that's burning or, or something, we, we were on a, a trip to Rome, and we were staying in a hostel, you know, when we went to World Youth Day, and the building caught on fire. Nice. Everyone ran out of the building. Why? Because that's what you do. <laughs> it was a hostile environment. It was a hostile environment. But what ends up happening is that we get so used to chaos that we, we, we just like, oh, I could see. Yeah, it's chaotic. There's a lot of drama. That I can't put the fires out. But, you know, I'm just going to live this way. Right? Yeah. It's very difficult to be comfortable in stillness and peace. Yes. It takes a lot of work. We to almost get like there. to light fires or light other people's fires or throw gas on the fire. And what I find is like what what type of people do this? Mm-hmm. And I think we all in some ways have struggled with it. You know, I know in my own life, but I think when when we have a lack of self awareness, like when we're unwilling to look inside, what ends up happening is that it's much easier to focus on the fire than on ourselves. Focus on other people's fires, to focus on the, the drama and the chaos. Did you hear about Bobby's bushel? It's on fire. <laughs> right. We didn't have to. He's not doing anything. You don't have to look. <laughs> you don't have to look inward. Mm-hmm. Right. And the inability to look inward is basically well. Then I'm just going to create and focus on all the drama out there. Yeah, drama is so seductive. And it's not a male female drama. I mean, there's they guy just, drama, there's right. boy drama, it's just it's different just kinds of life drama. drama. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's all this and it's the inability to really be self-aware and look inward and we kind of justify it oh i can still see you know it's the fire is burning so it's creating light Mm -hmm. you know and i think a lot of us are prone to drama just because our soul is kind of delirious you ever you ever had a horrible fever where you started getting delirious i've had like a kid that's happened to yeah they start talking nonsense Mm mm-hmm I've, I've been sedated, and I've said some things <laughs> that I'm like, really? I can only imagine what would come yeah. out of your mouth. Right. Our soul is like this. Our soul is so exhausted and like on life support, some of us, that we, we're delirious. Like we, we do the things we shouldn't do, and we, but not out of a sense of I just love doing bad things or I love being distracted, but we don't know what else to do. We're just delirious. We're just some of the best advice I ever got was from a priest. I was telling him about how I just, I just felt exhausted, you know? And he was like, your soul needs to rest. I'm like, yeah, I, like I sleep. No, no, no. Your sleep is when your body rests, but your soul needs to rest. Just sit down for like five minutes and don't, don't meditate. Don't read the scriptures. Don't like just sit down for five minutes a day and just rest. Be still. And it was so hard to do that. Yeah. But it it works. Like there's this breathing in of the soul and it keeps me from doing stupid things like getting into drama because I see when that peace is disturbed. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm coming if I start the day from peace, I can see that when someone comes to tell me about drama, it's gonna disturb that peace and I don't wanna do it. But if I start the day right off the bat in like drama, then like I don't I don't have enough awareness and rest. My soul's delirious. I just kind of go from one thing to another, and I'm attracted by chaos. I'm attracted by drama. Right, and we just jump in, you know, and we're we're, yeah, we we it's it it's almost an adrenaline rush, you know, it is, to, yeah. to to kind of thrive from one chaotic fire to the next, you know, and you know, but the reality is, is that if there's a fire ablaze, we can't get close to it, like we we really can't, like. It's out of control, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, who runs into a burning fire and comes out? No one, right? And so that's that's what happens is 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 that it it solves nothing, and it gets us no further from who we're called to be. And as Christians, this is a devastating hypocrisy. If our churches, communities, schools, parishes are filled with drama. There's nothing worse. Yeah, and and we see it in the church. People throwing gas on other fires and and just trying to create, you know, havoc instead of being real prayerful, you know, and about about solutions or about movement forward. You know, the next thing, you know, when you put a, a bushel basket over a lamp or light is, you're right, like, you can't see. Which right? is a problem usually. Yeah, which is a problem unless you just want to sleep. 
right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, why put a bushel basket over it? Just blow the candle out, right? I mean, but the inability to see, like, and this is what's interesting to me is that we get used to living in darkness. It becomes very comfortable. We, we can get around. We, we can figure it out. You know, we get used to living with patterns of behavior or patterns of sin, patterns of negativity, patterns of self-talk. Uh, and, and we just stay in that, that, um, that darkness, really, uh, because that's what it creates. It, it kind of just creates this, this cloud of darkness over us. And, and then we really can't see where we're going or who we're called to be mm -hmm. or even who others are. Yeah, one of the things I love about the work I'm doing at uh, the cathedral is that I interact with a lot of people who are joining the parish. Some of them are joining the church, like a RCIA, so they're actually coming in from the outside. Some of them are just transferring from one place to another. And it always amazes me how long people stay in certain situations just because they can't see a way out of it. But then when you say something like, well, have you th thought about having your marriage blessed? Or is there anything that would keep you from getting confirmed? Or, you know, just kind of shine light on a right. possible next step. Yeah, It's amazing how, to me, how they just quickly go to it. Because when you can see, exactly, it's easier to move. Yep. But if you can't see, you could look like sometimes 20, 30 years, people stay in the exact same position that they... They want to do something else, but they don't know what to do. Right. Shine that light on, and then they're ready to go, you know? Right. I mean, have you ever... Do you see that video of this little baby who's who can't see and she puts on glasses for the first time? I have not. And she puts on glasses for the first time, and they're these thick, real glasses, you know, so you can tell that she's got some eye, mm -hmm. eye issues, right? Some sight issues. And she could see for the first time, and it's just, like, powerful, you know? And I think what happens is like, you know, if you've if you've ever met anybody who's blind, like one of the things that they tell you is I would love to see. But obviously they can't. They live in this sense of, um, you know, darkness from the world. And so they get used to living, getting around. And I think that happens to us spiritually, like this spiritual, you know, our spiritual sight is gone and we just we just get used to it. So we figure out where to go, what to do, how to do it. But we don't have clarity. We don't have a real sense of purpose and meaning. And I think there's kind of two things that hold us back from 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 taking that bushel basket over the light. One is fear. Like we're we're afraid that if you know a light shined on something, it was like, oh, I, w I don't know what to do with that, or I don't know where to go, or how to do it, or whatever the case may be. Um, or we might see something in ourselves, or and and so it's like, yeah, fear just kind of holds us back. From doing it, I think the other thing is uh, shame. That this idea that we won't be loved as we are for who we are, right? Mm -hmm. and Jesus says, "I've come to seek and save the lost, and not not like the lost, like the ones in darkness." Right? <laughs> That's us. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're nailing Christian insecurities that we a lot of us face. Is I'm afraid to lose control of my life. You know, if I take the basket off, it's going to be Christ's light guiding me, not my own, right. something I can control. Because you can't control a flame. I mean, the Lord in his, I mean, it's amazing that God has actually humiliated himself enough to come into our life to be on a candle. But like he, ha in, in other words, like to be in our life in a stable way, in a way that we can have a relationship with him, in a way that's tame, you know. But we still can't control what he shows us. We can't control what he tells us to do. We can't control how he's going to call us. And there's this fear to let him control our life that we all face. There's also this shame because for some reason we all think we should have it all together. Like we all think that something's wrong with us if we admit that we don't have it all together. And we all think that Jesus is disappointed in us if we don't have it all together. Right. There's like this deep-seated insecurity in us as Christians and it keeps us from taking that basket off because if we could see better, we're going to see, oh, I didn't re rearrange the furniture right or I didn't do something right. Or like if God looks at me with that light or if other people look at me at that light, they're going to know that I'm, I don't have it all together and that's going to be a disaster. What's the, the disaster about that? You know, the Lord knows we don't have it all together. Right. Absolutely. But there's some about darkness that, that 
allows for us to uh, one we're afraid in the dark like when's the last time like you were afraid when it was daylight <laughs> you know we're usually afraid when it's dark right yeah. oh is somebody breaking in the house I can't see you know turn on the lights right right like so we're afraid in the dark uh, the other thing that darkness allows is for secrecy yeah you know it, it you know when do people break into houses usually when it's dark right mm-hmm. um, and and it's this idea that you know where there's secrecy there's a lack of intimacy and that happens in relationships it happens in our marriages but it happens with with Jesus yeah you know so there's blocks of having a relationship and intimacy because there's secrecy but the Lord shines that light not for like guilt or shame or or for self-hatred, but to say, let me remove that for you. Like, let me get that out for you. You know, like if your gallbladder's exploding, <laughs> the doctor says, can I cut you open, remove it, and you'll feel better. And you're like, no, I'd rather die, right? I'd rather get sepsis and just, you know, just let the infection take over my body. And oftentimes, like, that's spiritually kind of how we live. Yeah. And Jesus is like, no, look, cut you open, it's going to hurt. But when I remove it, like in a few weeks, like you're going to feel much better. And then when we just allow that to happen, okay, okay that's how, you know, the, the, that's why we call him the divine physician, right? Like he literally can shine the light of the Holy Spirit on us and, and begin to remove the things in our lives that, that keep us in darkness, keep us hidden. And he takes those moments, those pains that he's cured to actually become strengths. You know, like, let's take Lazarus, who died. He raised Lazarus from the dead. So at, Lazarus experienced a full-body shutdown. He died, right? Like, his, yep. his body failed. Christ came in, healed that, and then from then on, many people began to believe in Jesus because Lazarus was alive. Not necessarily because he had to say anything. It's just, like, I'm alive. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And it is like that with us. Like, when we let the Lord touch those things in us that are that we want to keep hidden from him, that we, whatever... He heals us, but then those things also become the things that he spreads the gospel with. I mean, think about people like Matt Fred, who has a ministry where you know he, he had struggles in the past in a certain area with pornography. He's very open about it. He let God heal this, right? And now it becomes a way that he spreads the gospel throughout the country. This is how Jesus works. He heals, and he spreads that light around. Right, and he uses us. That's why it says, no... It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all mm-hmm. in the house. So not only you can see, but now other people can see, right? Like yeah. when they begin to, to see how God's working in our life, then then that begins to shed light on others. Oh, I could do that too. Oh, I could I could be healed as well. Oh, I could, you know, forgive too. Oh, I could love that way or have joy that way, right? And I, I think for me, like looking back is like, where, where did you learn about Jesus or the gospels? Sure. I read them, but it was watching people, mm-hmm. you know, watching people trying really hard and, and striving to, to live for Christ. Well, and if we're, if we're Christian hypocrites, this is frightening to us to let the light of Christ shine because we can't control it mm. and it might not point back to us. In other words, if I let God loose in the room, if I let this light shine, right, where he's going to start touching people's lives, this is the warning that uh, Jesus gave to the Pharisees. Not only are you not entering the kingdom of God, but you're keeping others from entering the kingdom, Mm. right? Like you hypocrites. If I let God be God in my church, in my family, he might get all the credit. Oh, darn. (laughs) Right? Like people will love him more than me, Mm. and I won't be able to control what he does. So if he calls this person to do something, I can't control it anymore. I I would rather a situation where I can control what you do. Right. You know, like if this is so hard as parents, That's like we true. want to control everything. Yeah. But if God is calling my son, my daughter in a certain way in the home or outside the home, I have to be obedient to that. And there's a lot to that I can't control. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. So there's there's a hypocrisy that might come in where I'm like, you know, God, I want you to be in control of my life, whatever, but I'm not willing to give you my kids. I mean, how many times have you heard vocation stories where someone, God's calling someone to be a nun or be a brother or be a missionary, you know, a foreign missionary, and then mom or dad is like, no, I just can't do it, hmm. you know? 
that's that's one example. We do things like that a lot. Like we want to control everybody else's ministry, their relationship with God, whatever else. If we're if we're not willing to let God control our own life, you know? right? Yeah, absolutely. Let the light shine in the room and let God call people well, where I, He may. I mean, I think honestly, that one of the first steps to to growing is letting go of control. Mm-hmm. It's surrender, and we struggle with that. You know, we don't we don't want to. We don't want that to happen. It's hard. You know. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back, Paul and Adam, in this nice place. How are you? (laughs) Great. Such descriptive language. Yeah, the... You keep saying the word hypocrites. It's cracking me up. I hate that word. Why? I don't know. It's just such a weird word to me. Jesus used it. I know he did. He used the word. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, it's not a word that we, like, call people anymore. Yeah. Like, I we mean, might say it to ourselves, but it's not like, like, I would much rather just say you're dumb. Right? <laughs> I'm a, or, like, you're foolish. But it's not like a, a regular word in the vocabulary as far as, like, what we would tell somebody. Yeah. We never would call someone a hypocrite today, at least to their face. We would use it behind their back. So we would be a hypocrite calling someone a hypocrite. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. Whereas Jesus didn't really care. He, whatever he needed to say, he said it to your face. Well remember that he loved the Pharisees and what he said was to point out something that hopefully they would take. Yeah, he wasn't and condemning them. Anyway, I'm super excited um about something like you know when we bring this all all together we're talking about self-awareness we're talking about movement forward spiritually emotionally um we got this new um new assessment out called to be known so yeah. if you go to two t-o-b-b-e known k-n-o-w-n to be known.com it's a relationship assessment and it's it's awesome because the relationship assessment we've been working on is basically I sat around and began to think, what would, you know, if I'm meeting with a couple that's engaged or married, what would I want to know about that couple to help them? What information would I need? And what would be really important for them to know about themselves that would help them to thrive in their relationship, right? Their future marriage or their marriage. And so I got with with some folks and created this assessment. It's been a long time coming uh, called to be known and it's awesome. Like, so it really gives you a full holistic view of who you are and uh, personally, and then in your relationship. And then it generates a report and it aligns sort of your, your two profiles together and helps you kind of see where you need to grow or where you're, thriving in your relationship. It's really fascinating. So this is available now? It's 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 live this week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this cuz I've seen, you know, some of the um process of getting it going and I can't wait to do it with with uh with my wife because you know, we're talking about hypocrisy and kind of becoming more real with yourself being who you really are. It takes objective data or like it takes an awareness of myself beyond what I think I am because we know ourselves the least sometimes, right? So I find these things so helpful and the design of this assessment is very thorough. I'm very impressed with how y'all have covered every nook and cranny, but in a helpful way. So right. we're like, here's some data that could actually help you understand who you are and move forward because objective truth is important if we're going to change because we, we need to change into objectively more in line with God's truth for our life and is our marriage healthy or not? How can it grow? Like we need to know objectively where we're weak, where we're strong so that we can move forward. So I'm excited. 
Yeah, I like the word objective data because we're never going to grow if it's all subjective. If it, yeah. if it's just and if it's just us evaluating, uh, this is just a tool to help us to become more self aware and to grow. So it's not like it, it doesn't. It's not like hey, you're you're bad. This is like hey, this is this is how you can get better, how you can thrive. This is where you are. The cool thing about the to be known is that there's some modules there that that we we couldn't find anywhere else. That's why we created it ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. One is um, it gives you your own personality profile. So in a relationship, you know, Adam, you and your wife are each unique, right? Like you're two unique individuals with a unique genetic makeup, right? And DNA. And when you get married, you don't throw that away, right? The two become one flesh, but you're still two unique individuals becoming one together, right? You don't lose your identity. You don't lose the fact that you're, you're male, that you're, you, your mom and dad had DNA, dumped that into you, you were created, and then you have a certain personality. So it gives each individual personality profile, which is good. It's like, oh, this is the way my wife just is built, mm-hmm. right? This isn't mm-hmm. like, you know, like she's just trying to be this way or like her faults or the fact that, you know, she acts this way. Like this is just her, her DNA. This is my DNA. This is our genetic. This is our personality. And that, that module is really cool because I think it's eye opening for p- folks because it, there's a sense of, of like relief of like, Oh, this is, this is who I am. This is really cool. It, it's sort of like when someone does like the DNA testing. Right. And they, I'm from Norway. Yeah. And <laughs> or have, they've been adopted and they had no, right. like they begin to unpack like, a part of themselves are like, oh, that that makes so much sense, right? The personality profile kind of does that. It, it, yeah, and you're talking about shame earlier. Until we understand our personality, our quirks, our whatever, our default is going to be to kind of be ashamed. Yes. Especially with our faults. Right. But when we understand our faults, like, oh, I tend to do this because. Yeah. It's not like it takes it away or excuses it, but it takes the shame away. Yeah, and shame's not always connected with. Um, a sin Mm -hmm. shame can be connected with i just don't like who i am right exactly but when we find out who we are it it really is a a relief it's it's like oh okay i i am just introverted i i i do kind of you know use less words and i you know i you know i i am kind of like non-confrontational in my just my genetic makeup you know and Mm -hmm. it and it kind of helps you kind of know who you are and and then you know how to grow so that's a really cool module as part of the assessment because it really brings a lot of freedom uh to the person and to the relationship and then the other module that's really cool um is there's a family of origin basically module that that kind of takes into account your experience through life right so our experiences also create in a sense, our patterns and what we think and believe and how we act, right? Our experiences, maybe our parents were married, maybe they were divorced, maybe we're divorced, you know, maybe, you know, there was, you know, some hurt or pain in the past and that kind of, we bring all that into our marriage and our relationship. It it just does. It's like human nature. And it gives a beautiful picture of that in in a real relieving way of like, it helps us understand ourselves and each other like, oh, wow, that. So that's how you were affected. That, wow, I didn't know that, or I did, and that just helps reaffirm how much I can love you, you know, mm-hmm. even in that. So that's a really cool part. Well, what I love about this particular family of origin module is, I mean, there there are other assessments. You know, when people get married in the church, they have to do an assessment, and family of origin is part of it. Um, but this one's really detailed as far as the relational dynamics in the family and what you're expecting bringing into your marriage. And it has, it has a, a greater depth to it, I think. And this is very important because really our relational language, we learn from our family, just like we learned English. We learn our relational language, how we're going to relate in marriage from our family. And so a lot of times we're speaking two different languages because you learned a different language. Right. I learned a different language. Absolutely. And we don't know why it's not working in right. this case or whatever. And so a more detailed family of origin map, you can begin to translate. Right. You know, like, Absolutely. oh, well, when you say this, you mean this. Right. And now you begin to under- understand each other. Right. Or, you know, you maybe have a pattern or you act this way because your experience mm-hmm. taught you that. Right. Yeah. And to know that is like really freeing. 
It's really good because in a marriage, it's not two perfect people falling in love. Mm -hmm. It's two imperfect people falling in love. And the marriage really grows when people begin to love the imperfections. It's easy. You know, Jesus even says that. It's easy to... It, it's hard to love your enemies. And it's, it's right. like, it's harder to love the things that you don't like about people. Right. Right. But when you learn to love the things that you don't like about people, really love them, you grow past it. And in, in a marriage, that's when it, it sort of launches, launches off. And the next module is um, what we call um, love pathways. So how you express or feel loved or how your wife expresses or feels loved, and then it aligns you and, and, and kind of shows you that profile. It's really, really cool, because we express and feel love differently than the mm -hmm. other, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there was a popular movement, the love languages, a while back that, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's great. It's helped a lot of people. It has, I think absolutely. This, I think this module is has a unique quality to it in that it's, it's kind of beyond um, categories and more to the person, you know, yes. like this is how I feel loved when, mm -hmm. and, um, and again, this is not like to, to get to a point where you demand the other person meet you. It's just now I understand that it's important for you to feel loved by me and that these are the things I do that make you feel loved. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I'm really impressed with its, its its approach to this topic because it is important to understand how we relate to one another, and it is important that each spouse or each person in relationships feels valued and respected and loved. Right. And so this is a great little module to help that happen. Yeah, we're talking about to be known. You can go to tobeknown.com, and we're tying. This I'm so excited about this. I didn't know it was going to be launched this week. Yeah, neither did Fired I. Up. But the uh, <laughs> and then we have a marriage conference, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. And so, like, we're gonna bring it up there and, and invite couples, um, you know, to, to get behind it and, and do it. But, you know, when I'm working with even single folks, right. And, and they get stuck, it, it's usually around just getting to know themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and what's holding them back and keeping them right from moving forward. This is what happens in relationships and marriages, engaged couples, but even as single folks and this is just a tool. It's an objective tool to help assess where I'm at and how to grow, right? Yep. And and then the the last module is simple relation relationship alignment. Where do we agree, disagree? Where do we align on and it and it's gonna go through like pretty much every every area from, you know, finances to communication, sexuality to beliefs and systems and you know, it's it, it, and it and it's really cool because it's like oh like yeah we totally agree here but I didn't we're we're not aligned here but it's not like one's wrong it's mm -hmm. just let's talk about it right let's get on the same page about it yeah and, and that's and that's the beauty of it so after you get all those modules completed it generates a report and it, and it uh, it overlays your the two reports you know like individuals together and then it and it and it builds it with some really cool graphs and summaries and whatnot. I mean, just in time for Valentine's Day. Can you think of a better Valentine's Day gift than taking to be known assessment? Yeah, going out to dinner, talking about it. Um, so it's cool. And, and, and then we're going to really be able to create it for even single folks to kind of mm -hmm. have a tool to self-assess where they're at and, and how to grow. So... I don't know. It, I'm really excited about it because I, I do think like in our world today where life's complicated that we do tend to live in darkness or live in chaos and, you know, want to hide the light because we, we just don't know what to do. Um, something like this can can be the thing that sheds light on the areas that we can be free in, that we can grow in. Yeah. As humans, we don't react to things when we react to things we're acting more like an animal than a human right like we're just going doing the thing doing the thing doing the thing and when we have behavior or we're stuck or like and we don't know how to get past it there's a reason we're not getting past it humans understand like that's the thing that sets us apart we understand things so when we there are things about us that we don't understand or don't know there's a reason why we can't move forward it's because we don't know we don't understand we can't access that part of us that's most human so things like this that help us objectively know ourselves and understand ourselves, 
bring freedom. Jesus said this, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. Why does the truth set us free? Because we become more human. We understand reality better so then we could live as a human being lives and we become more who we're called to be. And so I, I can't encourage enough people to take this assessment. I can't wait to do it. That's what we'll be doing Valentine's Day. We're taking this assessment and um, just, I'm fired up, man. Yeah, so go to tobeknown.com uh, and you can check it out. And uh, it's been a really cool, um, cool time. You know, if you're listening to the show, um, you can still register for the marriage conference tomorrow. Uh, if you're in Lafayette or in Louisiana, make it in. We'll save some spots for you. Uh, open, throw out some more chairs because we don't want to turn anybody down. Um, just go to discovertheartofliving.com, click on Married, and it'll get you the information that you need. But just really excited about what God's doing in people's lives and in marriages. And just want to thank people for listening, for supporting the show, for getting behind it. And and uh, just share share what we're doing. Like, that's the best way to do it so we can continue to reach more folks, right? Shed light on, on uh, you know, truth and goodness and help people live in freedom. Because that's really what Jesus wants us, you know, to live in freedom. And, and it's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. There's good days, bad days. But uh, get up, you mm-hmm. know, get up every day and start anew. And Jesus is with you. He walks with you. He's going to shine the light. And here's the thing about the spiritual life. Like when it's all said and done, Jesus, like the light shows us the next step, right? It, it, it's not a, you know, it's, it's following day by day, the next step, one at a time, mm-hmm. right? Because if we were to see everything, like we, we'd probably run the other way. Yeah, and that's the way a candle works, right? The yep. light is just far enough for you to see your next step. And as you walk with the candle, as you walk with Christ, the next step appears, the next step appears. Right. So anyway, uh, visit us on discovertheartofliving.com. Uh, again, you can check out the assessment on tobeknown.com and uh, share the show, uh, the podcast. If you're a listener, uh, share it. You can get the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. And uh, thanks for listening and for all your support. We'll be back next week. God bless.